T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Good morning, world. Welcome back. It is time for Trust the Tape, the glorious return, they call it, of Trust the Tape. I'm Jeff Cavanaugh at JC1053 on Twitter, alongside my co-host, the great and talented Dane Brugler at DP Brugler. And uh, we took a vacation, and we're really sorry. Well, Dane's really sorry. He took vacation. I did. I was here. I just didn't want to do this without him because I wouldn't know what to do. So welcome back, Dane. Here we are. Happy New Year. Yeah. I'm doing the show standing up today. You the, always do. Yeah. So this is might not be news to you, but I was reading last night. That uh, sitting makes us fat. It gets the juices flowing a little bit, you know. It gets the the blood flowing. Uh, yeah, you know. It's I like to stand up. I, I start. I, I tried it once, and I was like, okay, you know, this isn't bad. I, you know, I, I feel like I'm a little more loose doing this podcast standing up. So yeah, I'm sticking with it. I think you'll stick with it too. Yeah, there's something about how when you sit down, the weight just kind of gets down. Like you just get fat. It's you physics. get fat if you sit down. Yeah. So yeah. you got to stand up. So we're standing today. Where do we want to start? I guess we should start with the actual college football games, huh? Yeah, because I'm starting to get into the prospects, and I'm ready to just ignore football and talk draft. But it's probably not time yet. We still have a football game left. Still have football going on, and we just got done with the the college football playoff, the semifinals, and the Rose Bowl. Talk about an instant classic. Uh, I know it went to double overtime, but who saw the 54-48 shootout between OU and and Georgia? You know, we know OU can score uh, at will, but with that Georgia defense. I didn't see that type of score coming, did you? Maybe not to that extreme. Uh, I did think that it was a great matchup for Georgia's offense because Oklahoma's defense is not good. Right Now, I don't know that I knew it would be to that level where they just they didn't know how to do run fits. <laughs> they, were just, like, they would essentially just part the Red Seas every play. But I mean, Georgia's got two... Uh, incredible running back. So mm-hmm. I don't know if this is overstating it. Maybe two guys that go in the top fifty in the NFL draft. I th- yeah, I think top sixty. I think both are top sixty picks. And that's I'm, our first podcast that we did. Uh, I mentioned it. I said Georgia has the top two senior running back prospects in this draft, and I, I think they showed that in this in this title game or in the semifinal game. And I, really, this game was a, a showcase of the running backs because Rodney Anderson on the other side he went over two hundred yards. He's been. Um, he should probably declare as a redshirt sophomore. He's going to have a decision to make. Uh, you know, he's he's really come on here the last really since he entered the as the featured back entered the offense is back what mid October, early October, and since then he's averaged almost one hundred and forty yards uh, rushing per game. Uh, he's been outstanding and really taking a lot of pressure off Baker Mayfield and, and what he can do through the air. Yeah, he should just send the tape of the Georgia game and the first TCU game to hmm. all the NFL teams and say, hey, I'm ready to party. Let's go. Now, he's got an injury history, but the dude the dude can play. Yep. And had, no doubt about that. Had that off-field stuff, uh, but it looks like that's kind of cleared up a little bit. He won't be charged. Um, so that doesn't – it looks like a non-starter there, but – uh, he will have a decision to make with what he has done. Uh, we know running backs have short shelf lives, so uh, it, it's something he should at least consider, especially with you know you factor in Baker Mayfield's gone. 
they're going to lose uh, several members of that offensive line, uh, notably Orlando Brown at left tackle, uh, who is expected to declare. But we'll go back to Georgia and their running backs. You look at these numbers. Nick Chubb, 145 yards. He averaged 10.4 yards per carry in the game. Tony Michelle, 181 yards. <laughs> he averaged 16.5 <laughs> yards per carry. Uh, scored three times, including that game winner. Uh, it, it's the best tandem of senior running backs I've seen since Auburn in 2004 when they had Cadillac and Ronnie Brown. Really an impressive tandem. So eager to see how they do against Alabama. That's going to be a, a fun title game. So the only other thing I would mention in that game is I know at halftime because we've both talked about Roquan Smith, the mm. middle linebacker or the linebacker from Georgia, who's an awesome player. His SEC title game, the cha- performance in the championship game, was one of the best linebacker tapes uh, I think I've probably ever studied. Yeah. So and in that in the uh, in the OU game in the semifinal, I know I probably got. Uh, different Twitter messages from three or four different people. Mm, They're here. like, oh, he's not very good now. Yeah, And, uh, you know, without going back and re-watching it, I, I just kind of said, well, yeah, watching it live, he hasn't had a great first half. But I also feel like this OU offense is kind of tough to prepare for. And in the second half, it got real quiet Yeah, because Roquan Smith started showing up. Seems and like that dude was a really big difference in the oh. 31 scored in the first half and a bunch of plays coming up short of the sticks in the second half. Right. It seemed like he played a little cautious in the first half, um, and I think that showed. And then once he kind of shook that off and said, you know, I'm just going to I'm gonna be me, I'm going to be a playmaker, and, and he was able to do that, the range, power, instincts, uh, you saw all that. And I, you, you could see why we've been saying for the past, you know, how many weeks uh, that you can pencil on Roquan Smith in the top 12 uh, of your mock drafts. And, you know, we have to talk about Baker Mayfield. Um, It wasn't his best game, uh, but he did a lot of positive things, as I think, outside of that third quarter, which just seemed like to be a disaster uh, at a halftime, uh, including that first interception, the only interception he threw. Uh, It was his first interception in over almost two months. Uh, Kind of tells you how good he's been as of late. But it might have been his worst throw all year, just overshot. Uh, the the tight end uh, streaking across the middle, uh, but he still fi- finished with positive stats, 65% completions, uh, almost 300 passing yards, two scores, uh, and his two touchdown throws are really impressive. Uh, both you know, typical uh, Mayfield moved his feet, uh, located the, the target, and delivered an accurate throw where only his guy could get it. So uh, Baker Mayfield didn't have the greatest of games, but I think he did enough for Oklahoma to win. And really disappointing we didn't get to see him do a little bit more in overtime. I thought in the second half, and this is something that I guess I haven't studied Baker yet. I've just watched probably six or seven OU games this year. But one of the things that I feel like he usually does really well is he feels pressure, he moves around, and he makes a play. And in the second half against Georgia, it looked like he might have even been rattled by the amount of pressure he was getting because a couple right. of times he kind of walked into sacks. Mm-hmm. And I'm not used to that from Baker. Is that something that he does or was that outside of his normal scouting report? One of the main things that we have to figure out with Baker is the offensive line gives him so much time uh, on his tape. And that's something that you're just not going to have in the NFL. And when you don't have that time, can you compensate? And a lot of times Baker can, you know, using his feet, escaping the pocket. But we saw against Georgia, uh, you know, out of especially, you're right, especially in the second half, out of halftime, it looked like Georgia, their front made the right adjustments. Meanwhile, OU, they didn't make the adjustments. And it's something that showed in that third quarter. But I think you did see the positive thing from it in the fourth quarter. You did see Baker Mayfield 
start to uh, you know use his feet better and uh, avoid those sacks uh, and help move the move the offense. Something they didn't show in the third quarter, so it was a nice adjustment. And I think one of the main storylines from this game was Lincoln Riley as a head coach. I, I think you saw the good with him as a head coach, and then also the inexperience with him as a head coach. In the first quarter, those first few drives, the scripted drives, were outstanding. As a play caller, Lincoln Riley uh, is, he, he knows what he's doing. But then, you know, we saw that squib kick before halftime. Whoops. We saw some of the decisions in the second half that really cost them, and so I think we saw a lot of the inexperience showing there. But again, the play calling, uh, the connection he and Baker Mayfield has, uh, really, really special. It's just unfortunate that that's over. Uh, OU, Baker Mayfield uh, are no more, and we are got to move on to the championship game. And I guess we we need to talk about the Alabama-Clemson game at least uh, at least a little uh, bit, but it wasn't I mean, nearly as fun. It was, a, it was a really good game for me to go to sleep to, yeah. <laughs> uh, I watched it, but there, was no, there wasn't a factor of being locked into it the way there was with the no. Rose Bowl. There's like, no, there's that no game offense. looked over in the first half. Like, it was yeah. like, okay, Clemson's not going to be able to do a whole lot to Alabama's defense. No, and, and that was it. There, there, there was no offense really on on too much offense on either side. Uh, Clemson averaged 1.9 yards per carry on the ground. Uh, I think the biggest fireworks were for Alabama. Deron Payne, that interception. Then he had that touchdown catch where they let him. Uh, you know, usually when you line up a defensive lineman, uh, it's a fullback dive or you know a lead block uh, type of thing. They let him go out and run a little bit, and he looked nimble for a 325 pounder, and that's why he's. Uh, got a good chance to be a, a first-round player. How fluid and uh, coordinated he is at that size. Uh, not much I want to talk about with this game. I think you just let's move on to the uh, Calvin Ridley. I think Calvin Ridley, yeah. like his numbers, typical Calvin Ridley. You watch his, you'll get his numbers on the year, and I'm sure there will be some people who doubt uh, how good the dude is. But I think that you know the one that everybody is getting to see is sort of that was it a slant route when they got down towards the red yeah. zone. It's like. That's why Calvin Ridley is probably the best receiver in this class. It's mm-hmm. things like that. A guy who has that sort of movement skills, the way he can manipulate, how fast he's running uh, on a route, on a release, change direction. He's a separation creator. That dude's a beast. Yeah. And guys that can He's an old man, but he's a beast. He is. And, you know, people claiming his age, you know, because he'll be a 24 year old rookie next year in the NFL. Uh, You know, he should be doing what he's doing. That's fine, but I don't understand. But he's still doing it. Right. I don't understand dinging him for being dominant. Yes. If this is the final product, that's the receiver I want. Exactly. And the fact that he's 24, yeah, I mean, do you wish he was 20? Sure. But at the same time, you, I think you know you have a better idea what you're what you're getting because he is mature. He is ready to be uh, an NFL wide receiver. Uh, I think he'd be a, a perfect a Z wide receiver, especially with a team like the Cowboys opposite a uh, Des Bryant, a guy that can get open at will. Uh, really help an offense like that. I don't think he's going to get to the 19th pick, uh, and I think he showed why uh, all season, especially against Clemson, with again his, his releases off the line and ability to create space with his routes. Uh, that play speed, his ability to throttle up and down at will, really impressive. Um, I don't. I like Christian Kirk. I like some of these other wide receivers, but to me, Calvin Ridley is the clear cut number one. And he's not that Julio Jones, AJ Green type of wide receiver prospect. Um, but you know, we saw three wide receivers go in the top ten last year. I just have a hard time seeing Calvin Ridley fall too far. I think he's going to go somewhere in the top fifteen picks. 
Okay, don't let me forget what you just said about Julio Jones and A.J. Green, because I want to come back to it. But first, we're talking about the football games. So the next one up is SEC versus SEC, which is a lot of fun because I'm watching as everybody talks about the bowl records of each conference and the SECs is terrible. And now two of them are going to play for the national title. I don't know if this – it's top heavy. There's no doubt it's top heavy. There's three teams in it. Um, I don't – think it's going to spur any change but we've been here before mm-hmm. when LSU and Bama played for the title that was when they changed how things worked right because it was two teams from the same conference and in this case one of them didn't play in the championship game Scott Frost and well I guess he got over it pretty quick because he's going to head to Nebraska but UCF is angry because they beat Auburn they're like hey look we beat the team that beat both of you and we're undefeated and we don't have a shot any chance something changes I doubt it. Um, Look, the UCF thing, I get it. I understand the outrage. If I was the head coach, the AD, the boosters, I'd be be screaming too. But I have no problem with UCF not getting in. And I... I said that before, uh, when the Dang rankings come out. hates the little guy. Always sticking up for the man. No, okay, well, if if I'm a Big Ten team, then I'm just going to schedule AAC opponents, American opponents, and not going to play anybody. And if I go undefeated, I'll get in because that's uh, Well, that would probably work anyway. Uh, maybe. Uh, if Wisconsin goes undefeated, they're in. Yeah, with the help of the Big Ten championship game, they would have got in. Um, and, and so it's, I don't know. I, I think UCF showed that on any given day – they have the talent to beat an Auburn. They have, they probably have the talent to beat uh, a Clemson. Uh, you know, several of the top teams in this uh, in the top four. But are they really one of the top four teams? When we look at the body of work. I'm just not. I'm not sold. Uh, now, if they played, uh, you know, a, a more power five teams on their schedule, then you know they have a case. But they don't, and so. Uh, it's just it's a tough thing because how are we going to adjust to these non-power five programs like a UCF when they go undefeated if they don't have the strong non-conference? Um, I, you know, it's unfortunate for those guys, but it just it, it's the way it is, and it's it's a problem when you have 130 teams in the FBS. I mean, how do you possibly you can't look at all of them like they're on the same playing field because they're not. I think you have to basically do what TCU did. You have to find your invite to a big bigger conference and keep winning yeah, that's kind of it i wish the the group of five teams would have their own playoff uh, i mean they, they i don't think it'll happen i don't think they'll do that because it's kind of just throwing up the white flag and admitting okay we're not as good as these power five teams we have no shot uh and it's kind of just admitting defeat i don't think they'll do that but if i was them I, if I, I would i would create an 18 playoff and say listen you guys won't go to eight teams we will we'll show you how it's done and I, I think that it would be a lot of fun. I, I'd enjoy watching UCF in a Bo- against Boise or uh, you know South Florida against a Florida Atlantic. I mean, it'd be a lot of fun to watch some of those Group Five teams in a playoff setting. Uh, but unfortunately, I don't think it'll happen. But let's talk about this last game we have uh, a little bit. I'll take Bama. I think I'm leaning Georgia. Um, I think the- pinky toe bet. The, you ever done a pinky toe bet? Nope. First time I ever heard of that. Okay. Well, you have two of them. So I'm not taking off my shoes. Huh? I'm not taking off my shoes. No, you have to cut one off. Oh, Whoever loses okay. has to cut off a pinky toe. Okay. And the other guy gets to do the cutting, uh, and we'll do it on Trust the Tape. That's disturbing. You, I mean, I don't... I got Bama. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll take Georgia. That's fine. Okay. Uh, Alabama opens as a four-point favorite, uh, and you know, I think unlike that LSU-Alabama conf- or title game, 
that you referenced a few minutes ago, I think this is going to be a lot of fun because it's not a rematch. Uh, Georgia from the East, Alabama from the West, they didn't have a crossover game this year, and so there's no wondering, you know, what if they matched up? We get to see that on the field. It should be a lot of fun. A lot of familiarity between these two, Nick Saban, uh, with uh, Kirby, Kirby Smart, Smart. just yeah. trying to copy Alabama and did it pretty well. He did it on. He did it with uh, the recruits he's bringing in. He's doing it on the field. I mean, Georgia's just looks like a a team, a program is about to blow up. Um, I, think, I just think the matchup for me, this matchup, kind of plays into what Bama would like you to do. Yeah, the, they want to run at you, and they want to limit what they ask their quarterback to do. Their quarterback's not going to run around. And I think that kind of plays into Bama's hands. Georgia's got a ton of talent, mm-hmm. and I don't think Bama's going to score a bunch either. But I got I got Bama pinky toe bet. We'll revisit if it's a pinky toe bet later. We saw. I mean, I love Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle, but running against the OU defense and then running against Alabama defense, little different. Little and different. so we'll see how they do um, uh, on, on Monday night. It, both these teams have outstanding run games. That's really the what they rely on to score points and move the ball uh, with Michelle and Chubb on Georgia, and you throw in Swift in there as well. And then for Alabama, Damian Harris and Bo Scarborough, uh, the one-two punch there. So uh, this game has so many future pros on defense. It's going to be a lot of fun. You look at Alabama with Minka Fitzpatrick and Ronnie Harris and Rashawn Evans, uh, Deron Payne, uh, the corners. They're loaded on defense with future pros, and so is Georgia. Uh, we mentioned Roquan Smith. Uh, they've got other you know, Lorenzo Carter, Davin Bellamy, John Atkins at nose tackle. I, both these teams are just loaded with defensive talent. Should be a lot of fun to watch. All right, now let's go backwards. Now it's prospect time. Yep. Now it's fun time. I'm going to actually sit down because my arm's getting tired of holding the phone because I'm doing a Facebook live. Hold on. Well, this is one of my favorite uh, okay. parts rocking. of the year because you brought us, KT. You start to you know really dive in deep into the weeds and do what it. you've already done. Right, and so it's... We're you know we're finding some players that you know okay yeah we definitely see the same and then also some players that we might disagree a little bit on. So I want to start with uh, we're going to talk about Vita Vea at some point yeah. because as somebody who broadcasts in DFW, uh, I'm going to start a petition to get Rod Marinelli to recognize that the nose tackle is a real position <laughs> uh, and you can actually you know invest in it if you so choose and that sometimes that can be okay. But you mentioned with the wide receivers we were talking about Calvin Ridley. That he's not A.J. Green. He's not Julio Jones. And I agree with you. So when I look at wide receivers now, and this is going to relate to Cortland Sutton at SMU, mm. if you give me Julio Jones or A.J. Green, I'm all the way in on the six foot three wide receiver. But to me, unless you're going to give me that guy who, those guys are route runners, they have quickness, they have speed, they have size, they had everything. They were great prospects. But for me in today's NFL... If you're not that sort of 6'3 receiver, I would rather have a guy that can create separation for me on a regular basis. And I feel like there's a lot of those guys in this draft. I'm probably six or seven wide receivers in, and I've already seen a bunch of them. Mm -hmm. So for a guy like Cortland Sutton, somebody might take him high, will probably take him high, because he's got the size and he can win in the big guy game. I'm interested to see how he runs, but... To me, he's not a polished wide receiver at this point. Right. I watch him try to release and get kind of bullied at the line of scrimmage when it's press coverage. I watch him get moved. Not a great route runner. So for me, I think there's another group of guys we can talk about, and I'll have all of them in front of Cortland Sutton. That's not the way it'll probably go in the draft. No. That's okay. But I think there's a lot of guys 
from five nine and a half up to six foot six one that are guys that I'd love to take in the top two rounds. I agree, and I, it's tough with Sutton because he's going from an SMU offense to an NFL offense where there's a, it's just a huge gap. Treadwell scares me. If Sutton runs in the high four fives, I'm going to quit. I'm going to be like, nope, he's not for me. It's, he's if tough. he runs a four four eight, I'm in. <laughs> in where though? Uh, at the combine. Well, what no, I mean? mean, like in like, are you in second round? Are you in top? 30. Uh, just, For me, it would still probably be second round. Yeah. I mean, is, is an NFL team going to, is he going to be the first or second wide receiver taken, do you think? I think he will be the second wide receiver taken. Uh, well, it just comes down to what does a team want more? Uh, a slot receiver like Christian Kirk or a possible high ceiling, big play, uh, big body player like Cortland Sutton, who could potentially be. Uh, a big time player. So it just do they want the more of the sure thing with Kirk or want more potential with Sutton? I, I think that'll be kind of the main discussion after Calvin Ridley goes in the top fifteen. Sutton or Kirk uh, in the back half of round one. I think that could be uh, part of the debate. Okay, so the other guys that I would like to, I guess we'll just compare and contrast because, like you said, uh, I'm starting to catch up. Let me see how many receivers do I have here. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven receivers done, and mm-hmm. Sutton's my seventh receiver, yeah. which is not a shot fired. No, uh, I've been pleasantly surprised with some of these other guys. Well, and this is a process. Well, you know, after the combine, after uh, you know, I don't expect Sutton to go to the Senior Bowl. He did receive an invite. I do not expect him to be there. Um, but this is a process. You know, we're early January. Who mm. knows? We might change our minds after we see him at the combine or workouts or anything like that. So. Uh, I, I think that's fair as a starting point. That's where you have them. So there's a big, I think there's a big group of guys. For me, Calvin Ridley is the only guy at this point that I think, hey, first round player, boom, done. That's fair. And then I've got a group of five guys that we've that we've studied: mm-hmm. Christian Kirk at A and M, Michael Gallup at Colorado State, mm-hmm. who I'm a huge fan of, good player. Um, Washington at Oklahoma State. DJ Moore at Maryland. He's so underrated. And Anthony Miller at Memphis. Mm. And I have all of those guys in the second round mix. First of all, are any of those spots for those guys crazy? No. Um, I mean, my order is a little different, but I think I'm right there with you. Um, I, to me, I've got Miller, Washington, Gallup uh, in that order in terms of the seniors. Um, and I don't. There's not a big separation between the three. Uh, Miller goes into the draft process as the top senior for me, but. Hopefully we see all three at the Senior Bowl. I'm hearing some not good things about Miller and the Senior Bowl. Um, oh, does he kind of like where he is in the draft order? Is well, that maybe what that is. There might be something else. Um, oh no, I can't get into oh, it. Oh no, but um, I, I'm just we'll, we'll see about Miller. Uh, but hopefully we get to see all three at, in Mobile, and hopefully that'll help kind of distinguish each one because um, I do think they are kind of closer rated. Miller, Washington, Gallup. Things to like about all three, but I think they're all in that second round range. And then with the underclassmen, uh, agree Ridley at number one, and then you have Kirk, and then uh, Ridley's me, an underclassman at twenty three. Yeah. Okay. He he couldn't play a senior year of high school because he was too old. Okay. Um. Yeah. And then you have DJ Moore, who I like a lot. I've been I've been kind of pushing his name a lot. I think he's very underrated. No one. Not Let's enough, talk about him a little bit. I not mean, enough people guy, are talking about him. How, so, how strong and physical is he? So he's, uh, it's funny because as we're sitting down to watch him, uh, we'll read off from your site. Mm-hmm. We'll go to your site and we'll get the measurables. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm reading them off to everybody, and I'm like, 5096, and Dave Hellman from Cowboys.com is out there, and he's like, 5'9 or 5'10? He's like, I'm not here doing this scout crap. And I was like, okay, so he's under 5'10. He's like 215 pounds, and he's running a 4'5, give or take. And you turn on the tape, and the great Brian brought us right off the top before he's even run a play. He goes, ah, going to be Steve Smith. Mm. Then he starts playing. And I'm like, the guy kind of plays like Steve Smith. Yeah. This dude is at Maryland where he gets no help. He's five nine and a half. He's big bodied. He's a good route runner. He's really tough after the catch. And the biggest thing is they'll throw him fade routes. Yeah. They throw him over the middle. Uh, so many of the passes thrown to him are contested balls where he's contacted right at the catch point. And the, and the catches are easy. So physical. I told I told them, I said, when we get to the combine, he's going to have big hands. Mm-hmm. You can just tell mm-hmm. because the ball sticks, and he's getting hit so often while he's catching the ball. No big deal. Just like, yeah, sure. He's worked really hard on developing his body. I mean, he he's not always been this physically impressive. That is kind of a new development. And as bad as Maryland has been on offense this year with their passing game, uh, a lot of uneven play from the quarterbacks, DJ Moore set a school record with catches this year. DJ Moore went over 1,000 yards. Only the third Maryland receiver to ever do it. I mean, he had a pr- very productive year, so the production matches the tape. Uh, a very underrated player who belongs uh, somewhere in the top, probably the top 50, top 60, somewhere in that discussion. Yeah, there's, there's just so many of them that trying to figure out the exact order is the interesting part because the next guy that I want to talk about is Michael Gallup, the wide receiver at mm-hmm. Colorado State which he had big old numbers at Colorado State. And some of the things that jump out, now this guy is going to be between six foot and six one, two hundred pounds, another guy that runs about a four or five. And he's got those things that I'm starting to really, really value at wide receiver and that I think he is a really good route runner. He's got easy hands. He's not going to drop anything. He's just a really well rounded player. I mm-hmm. don't know if he's going to measure off the charts or have something where you go, that's elite, that's elite, that's, that's elite. It, right. But you're, I, it's just everything about him is good. Everything about him is good. First time, good I'll, after the catch. Right. He's good at the top of a route getting separation. He's good at catching with his hands. He's good at the contested ball. Everything is good. Right. And first time I watched him, I was kind of like, okay, well, nothing really separates him. Like you know, I, I, I'm not. I want something. I want a distinguishing trait here, and I didn't get that. And then the more I watched him, the more I gained an appreciation be, that. Even though he doesn't have that elite trait, he does everything really well. Uh, doesn't have a lot of holes in his game. Uh, did you watch the Alabama tape? Uh, yes, and Oregon the, State, Colorado, Alabama. Yeah, and he put up more uh, you know, receiving production than I think any other receiver did this year against Alabama. Uh, the route quickness, uh, body control, uh, again, kind of ordinary from a size-speed perspective, but I think you know from you know, we get so caught up in some of the measurables and the physical skill set, the technical skill for certain positions, especially wide receiver, I think offensive line, uh, a lot of you know, the technical skill is so important because that's the difference. In the NFL, they're all great athletes. They're all strong. Uh, it, it's the technical skill that really separates a lot of these guys, and I think Michael Gallup has that. Okay, and as we're going through these guys, I want to toss it over to you because I feel like I've been given sort of my thoughts on each of these guys. Anthony Miller, who you have as your top-rated senior-wide receiver, mm-hmm. give me the notes on him. What stands out on Anthony Miller? Former walk-on who has really turned into uh, one of the most productive receivers uh, in in not only Memphis history, but uh, recent college football history. 
he's another guy who's not the biggest, uh, and you know he's probably going to run in maybe a four four eight, you know, four five two around there. He's not not a burner, but his body control, uh, he he could crisp. His routes are not as crisp as you want him to be. Uh, but he is able to create some of his own separation. Uh, his ability with the ball in his hands, he's one of the better yak uh, targets in this draft. Uh, he can play a slot. He can play the outside. Uh, there's just uh, there's so much to love about his game, and I'm not comparing him to Antonio Brown, but there's a little bit of Antonio Brown to his game uh, where it's not always perfect from a route perspective or uh, you know catching the ball. It's not always perfect, but he's a playmaker, and uh, there's a little bit of that to his game. James Washington, go. He's really interesting to me. Yeah, he is. Because you watch him, and there's a whole lot of good, but at the end of it, I'm just kind of like, compared to some of these other guys, I don't know how complete he is as a route runner, but like mm-hmm. he's got, I mean, thick dude, catch point, he's great. There's a lot of really, really good about him, but some of these other guys, I can tell you, like, yes, he can run this route, this route, this route, and I can go through the entire route tree and lining up all over the place. And with Washington, I'm kind of like, when he goes downfield, he'll track the ball and he'll go oh, get it for you. He's he's elite at tracking the ball down the field. And he has, I think, some of the strongest fingers, hands, and wrists where you know we talk about when the ball hits his hand, we talk about with DJ Moore, when the ball hits James Washington's hands, they stick. They don't. The ball doesn't move. Uh, so he has really strong hands. My issues with James Washington are, A, the routes. Uh, Constantly, he's rounding off routes, especially underneath. When he can go vertical, it looks pretty. But the underneath stuff, he's just not uh, technically proficient uh, as a route runner right now. That doesn't mean he can't be uh, with a little bit of work, but right now he isn't. And then he's he's just he's untested versus press coverage uh, in the Big Twelve. We just don't we don't see that a lot. And so, what can he? What is he going to be able to do when a corner gets up in his face and jams him at the line of scrimmage? Can he release and you know, gain that separation that he needs to get for his quarterback? So I like James Washington. I think he's you know right there in that second round mix, but I think that he does have some holes to his game that I worry about. Okay, and then Christian Kirk. We haven't done scouting report on Christian Kirk here. I'll tell you what, watching him, he was a bigger guy than I thought he was. I guess I hadn't watched a lot of A and M last year. I kind of remembered him as a thinner, super quick. But we turned on the tape of this year. Yeah. I was like, holy cow, he's a thick dude. Mm-hmm. Is he? You think he's an NFL slot, or do you think he can play outside? Because he's killing from the slot. I think he's he has one of the highest floors. I think in this draft among the wide receivers, because I think at the worst is he's an impact slot guy, um, and that's and it's tough because at A and M, that's all he did was a slot receiver. Uh, I mean, he was. I mean, you can take a slot guy in the first round. Sure, your slot yeah. guy can be your go-to receiver. Absolutely, a lot of people try to get their guy. Julio Jones is a slot guy now a lot of times. And I'm not saying that he can't play outside, but. It's just he hasn't done it, and he's not proven there. Um, and so I, I think there is a little bit of a question mark there. But I love the way – I mean, Christian Kirk, he's so effortless in the way he shifts his gears in his routes. Um, good hands. Uh, there's a lot to like about his character, his makeup. Uh, he's he's a really strong uh, you know, leader in the, in the locker room. That's something that he's really – I think he's really going to impress teams uh, in the interview process. So I, I think there's a lot to like about him. His body controls hands. Uh, but again, and also as a return man, I think he can come in as a uh, a punt returner and, and be your lead guy. I think he had a punt return for a touchdown every six returns in college, I think. so. That's not bad. No, not bad at all. That's not bad. So I think Christian Kirk, that's why we're talking about a possible slot 
as a, a possible first round pick. So he, he's that type of playmaker. Did you you like him as much as I did, or? Uh, I liked him. I did like him a lot. Uh, I think that to your point, at worst, it's a guy that if you if you ever think you can handle a guy in the slot, man, you're going to be in trouble. Yeah. Even Minka Fitzpatrick, when he was covering a man in the slot, and it's just one play, but he kind of you know he kind of gave him a inside, the inside and out. He goes out. Yep. And oh it's yeah. Like, Whoop, there's separation for you. Right. So it's a guy you have to fear because of his speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got the frame to withstand whatever. I tell you, now this is. I don't have this written down. I'm just remembering watching him compared to some of the other guys. I it didn't feel like he had as natural hands as some guys. Is that right or wrong? Yeah, that's fair. Okay. He does have some not drops. That, not he can't. Not that right. he can't catch. Well, like and, he can catch fine. And the other, but some of these guys, it's just you can see. And some guys, I'll write in the notes pretty quickly. Easy hands, effortless. Right. And Kirk's was just kind of average. Like yes, that's a receiver. And that that's how I describe his catch radius. I think it's average. You know, he doesn't have that humongous catch radius where he can consistently bail out the quarterback. Uh, man, his 15-yard out is uncoverable. Right. Run ins, exactly. stops, vertical. Do you think he can be a, a regular uh, outside player in the NFL? I wouldn't bet against it, but I don't know that I would project it if I was picking him. Mm. I, w- I would be more comfortable if I'm going to put him in the slot. Because I think right. that's, I mean, that's the place where NFL teams are in trouble. Mm-hmm. Like right now in the slot, teams are used to dealing with Cole Beasley. Right. It's a lot of guys where they're winning with quickness. You get a guy that's a very legitimate deep threat in there, it just opens up everything. Yeah, He's going to scare teams. Defensive. And then we're getting to this, the debate this spring about, okay, well, you can find a slot receiver in the third round or the sixth round. You know, you can find those guys. Sure, and you can run ins and outs. Right. Is, is that it, what you want? Is it worth taking one in the first round, which is probably where you might have to take him if you if you want Christian Kirk. So there will be that debate. Well, but in this draft, it's worth taking a running back and an offensive guard in the top five. That's what this, yeah. at least to me, that's what this class looks like. I watched Bradley Chubb last night. I don't think it's going to be a great year for edge guys. I don't think it's going to be a great like year Chubb? for... I liked him. Um, didn't love him. He's not Miles Garrett. Right. He's not Miles Garrett. I think him versus Derek Barnett would be close. So okay. to me, I, I, I think... Um, I liked him. I think he's a solid first-round player. I didn't see what I think would be an elite NFL player. If you had to, I know you've only looked at, well, like 30 guys so far. And I would have him ahead of Barnett because I think he's, uh, just because of the frame, yeah, I say, he's going to be a more stout player. He's right. going to be a decent, good The, the length, the long strides, yeah. I agree. I mean, I definitely have him a, a graded ahead of Barnett. But it, it, of the, all the players you've watched so far, is he one of the top five best? Uh, hold on, let me see. Regardless of position, just talking about... Click buttons. My top five would be Saquon Barkley, Quentin Nelson. Oh. And after that, yeah, probably him. You haven't looked at any of the quarterbacks. I have not. I have not. Him, Roquan Smith, and I loved Vita Vea. Mm. Defensive tackle from Washington, I loved Vita Vea. We're going to have to talk about him. Um, I mean, now or next time? Let's do it now. Vita Vea is what, 340 to 350 pounds? Depending on what he had for breakfast, yeah. Yeah, and at Washington, he'll play all along, uh, what is that, it's a three-man front at three Washington. Man front. So he'll play the end, he'll play the nose, right. sometimes they'll move around and he'll be a three-tech or a one-tech. He plays every technique up there, every He's, gap. He plays all over the place. I've never seen a guy move humans like Vita Vea does. You know, to me, the most impressive guy I had seen uh, in studying college players at engaging and... Placing offensive linemen wherever he wants them was Jonathan Allen. 
Mm. Like that push pull, he would just S- yank people around. Snatch, dispose. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Vita Vea will do it to a double team. <laughs> he Vita will. Vea, not only can you not move him at the point of attack, literally. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you say that a lot with noses, like, oh, he's tough to move. No, you will not move him. Yeah. You can run two people into him if you want. If he wants to stand there, that's where he's standing. And a lot of times he's going to find his way through it and hit your running back. Right. The Stanford game, he used the right guard to tackle Bryce Love. Mm -hmm. They said hut, and he was like, okay, I can't get around him. I'm just going to carry him to Bryce Love, and the right guard's going to make the tackle. Like that size, the way he moves at that size, the power, his hands, and I think the lower body strength is insane Mm -hmm. because from contorted weird positions against a double team, he can find a way through it to the ball. He's a nose tackle. I get that. So in the NFL, you might get three sacks, three sacks a year out of him. Right. But you're going to occupy blockers, and a lot of times you're going to beat multiple blockers, and you're going to disrupt the running game. Yeah, no, I agree. And see, the traits are amazing. His highlights are fantastic. He's one of the only guys I've ever seen where he can take on a double team like that on one play, and then the next play – He's chasing down the running back at the sideline. I mean, it's just it's rare for a three hundred forty pounder to have that skill set. He's gonna go run a five flat. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't be shocked if he got under. Yeah, like a, a, a four nine eight. Something that dude like that. is moving. Well, it's in the comparisons. Don Terry Poe, who did run a four nine eight at you know three hundred and twenty plus pounds, uh, and you know Don Terry Poe has been a very good pro. He was a top fifteen pick um, a couple years ago, uh, and so well five six years ago now. So with uh, with Veya, he relies so much on those traits that I don't see a lot of discipline. I don't see a lot of technique, um, and that bothers me a little bit because in the NFL, again, technical skill, it, physical traits only get you so far. The technical skills what kind of you know takes you from you know average to good, good to great. We'll see if he can do that. Um, I just he's a difficult evaluation, but at the end of the day, those traits are going to get him. I mean, Danny Shelton, it, who he went top twelve. All right. I don't even want to compare them. And Vita Vea is so Shelton, much better. Yeah, Danny Shelton doesn't play like Vita Vea. He, right. He was a nose at Washington, but he don't play like Vita and, Vea. And that's why I'm saying that, I mean, you know, I know you were kind of clamoring for at number 19 in the Cowboys. I want him at number 19. I just, I, I have a hard time seeing him being available at 19. Yeah. Because of those traits. I'm it, getting locked in on some guys, and I don't think I can have them. Right. I want Calvin Ridley. I want Roquan Smith. I mm, want Vita Vea. Sorry. And I think they're all gone. Yeah. So... And now, and so now I'm thinking about: Do I want to take one of these other wide receivers at 19? No, I want to wait to the second round because I got a ton of them. I'll find somebody to pick at 19. I'll find yeah. somebody. I I agree. Um, it, so back to Vea real quick. The traits are off the charts. I just worry about it consistently translating to football production, just because the effort, the mechanics, they're not always there, and that worries me to a, a certain extent. So I would take him in the first round. But I think he would go higher in the first round than I would take him. I'm here. I'm here for my my next snacks. I'm here for the guy that just beats people up. <laughs> he He's, just tosses people around. It's insane. Well, and Vita Vea has declared. We're up about fifty players, underclassmen, who have declared so far. I don't pay attention uh, to if they've declared. I just watch them and write a scouting report anyway. Has well, Roquan Smith declared? Not yet, but he will. Well, check my Twitter. I already wrote a scouting report. <laughs> he will. I expect him to declare. Quentin Nelson declared after the Notre Dame game. He's he's a pretty special player, huh? Oh, Quentin Nelson's perfect. <laughs> Is Saquon Barkley a perfect running back? Saquon uh, Barkley recently. Did you? No, I saw. Was it you that you, you tweeted? He's the best running best, back I've ever watched. That's, that's interesting. He's the best running back I've ever watched because I feel like he is. Here's the way I compared him to. I compared him to Zeke. Um... 
Zeke, Todd Gurley, and Saquon Mm -hmm. are the three best backs I've watched. I'd agree. And I think the reason I'll put him above them is I actually think Saquon is the quickest of the three. Mm -hmm. I think he wins at the quickness battle, and I think in the receiving game, because this guy runs streaks, you know, in the receiving game, he's yeah. a monster. So mm-hmm. he's what you want in today's running back. And I think Zeke and Gurley are good receivers, but I don't think you can do the same things in the receiving game. Penn State schemes for him to run deep down the middle mm-hmm. because oh, yeah. he'll go get the ball. And he could beat linebackers with So I, I, I think if you told me it is third and one and we're running up the middle, I'll take Zeke. But if you tell me we're starting a game – I'll take Saquon Barkley. Interesting, yeah, and I, I, you know, I've been making the Ladanian Tomlinson comparison for a long time now, and I'm I'm staying on it because a lot of the things you just said, the way he can impact the game, rushing, receiving, uh, he's so twitchy, and for a 225, 230 pound back, he doesn't move like it. He's no. so fast, uh, but I will disagree with you about. I still have Zeke higher from a prospect grade. Oh, and we're just talking strictly on the field. I, I I give Barkley. I agree with you about the quickness. I give Barkley the edge when we talk about explosion, just that natural burst. Uh, but when it comes to running back specific traits, that's Zeke where, might have a little better feel. He's for got the better position. vision. I, yeah. I think I don't think there's a question. Zeke has better vision, and I and I, yeah, I agree. The feel, the patience, the decision making. I give that edge to Zeke, and for me, that's what separates the two. Even though. You know, against space, yeah. If you if you, if Saquon Barkley is one on one with a defender, I'm taking Saquon Barkley over Zeke in that type of situation. But I think just from a guy that you're going to give the ball 20, 25 times a game, I feel a lot better about Zeke. Uh, not a lot better, but I feel better about Zeke. So for me, I, I think Barkley is a perfect fit and the, exactly the way that the Rams use Gurley so much in the passing game. Um, so I, I think that'd be a great fit for him. I if we're if you're gonna rank those three to me it'd probably be Zeke, <sighs> Gurley, Barkley, but it's close. I, I, I to me Zeke is still the top running back that I've scouted you know the last you know handful of years. Well, he's pretty good at football. He is pretty good. All right, that'll do it for uh, trust the tape this week. What we need you to do is uh, give us a five star review, five stars only. That's the rule, only five stars, because that way, it, like people will see it and they'll be like, "Oh my goodness, I should probably listen to Trust the Tape." If you don't do five stars, people won't listen, and then we're going to quit, and that would be terrible. So yeah, and in the comments section, what do we want today? Tell me your favorite pair of socks. I'm interested in getting into the sock what? game. Well, I got a pair of Miller Light socks. Well, right now okay. I'm in hospital socks. Okay. But uh, like those are my new favorite socks. I have Miller Lite socks. So if you're a sock guy, tell me your favorite socks. If you're not a sock guy, give us your favorite farm animal or the best running back prospect you've ever seen. Whatever you want to do, give us the review. Love you, uh, and we'll talk to you next week. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty five dollars per line per month without auto pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty five dollars per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 